It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. When you leave your internet connection unencrypted, you might as well be writing your passwords and credit card numbers on a huge billboard for the rest of the world to see. That's why I decided to take action. To protect myself from cyber criminals, I use ExpressVPN. On Commons People this week, it's the end of May. Well, I think it's quite clear that we're reaching uh, the final stages of this administration. Is a no-deal Brexit now inevitable? I would never advocate a no-deal Brexit. I think it would be immensely disruptive economically. And the truth is no one quite knows what would happen in that, that scenario. And what next for Remainers? I've come to the view that we are now at a point where we are going to need to revoke Article 50. Hello and welcome to Commons People. I'm Arj Singh. Joining me this week is Paul War. Hi Arj. Hey Paul. Uh, we've also got the Institute for Government's Brexit expert, Maddie Timont-Jack. Hello. Hi Maddie. And we've also got the director of a UK in a changing Europe think tank, Anand Menon. Hi Arj. Hey. Um, well, somehow after surviving crisis after crisis, the writing finally appears to be on the wall for Theresa May. Her decision to dangle a second referendum and customs union in front of Labour MPs has backfired. And with the resignation of Andrea Leadsom from the Cabinet, the game appears to be up. Let's hear the former Commons leader explaining why she had to go. I have been supporting Brexit totally for the last three years. And I just couldn't, as leader of the Commons, with responsibility for the legislation, stand up at business questions tomorrow and denounce a bill that I just think has elements I cannot support that aren't Brexit. But you've held out for so long, so why I, I to have, this point? I'm de- I have been determined to deliver Brexit and I'm just worried that this bill, with its new elements in it, would not do that. It's been a really tough day. Paul, uh, this is it for the PM now, isn't it? <laughs> Depends what you mean by it and when. Um, I think the difficulty is, as we speak, uh, look, we're recording this on Thursday lunchtime, so anything can change by any minute. So with that proviso, as it stands, it looks like she really wants to still be a PM for the Trump visit. They want to, her to do that. They want her to go with some dignity. And it's obvious, even though some people in the Cabinet Office have actually really seriously wargamed the possibility of an interim PM, David Ludington taking over in emergency. They've worked it worked that that A is a little unconstitutional and B just wouldn't help her. So even her worst critics think she should be there for the Trump visit. The question is, the week of the Trump visit, as we found out this morning in the House of Commons, um, now looks like it might not get her withdrawal agreement bill um, published. Uh, and the thing is that both her and the bill, their fates are inextricably linked. One goes with the other. She's made that clear. Everyone else has made that clear. Um, the cabinet kicking off this week have made it even clearer that her version of the bill they don't like. So uh, as it stands, I don't know, if you were to pin me against that wall right now, I'd say Monday after Euros come out, that's when I think people could mobilise and, and threaten to quit the cabinet. Um, but, you know, we've heard such talk before and um, that's far from clear. 
Do, do you not think she's going to set out at least a timetable on Friday when she meets Graham Brady, I, the chair of the night? I think she'll do what she always does and hint at a timetable. I think um, the problem is that there are two separate processes. One is the 1922 and the other is talking with the cabinet. And, you know, the 1922 meeting is not... They're, they're physically not in London. That's why they've done this bizarre process of putting things in envelopes. Um, they'll probably have some kind of conference call after he meets her. So I'm, I'm not quite sure that... The problem is that the, the cabinet route and the 22 route don't easily merge together. Uh, yeah, just to explain the envelopes thing. So Sorry, yeah. uh, high drama in high drama, the 1922 committee executive have all voted on whether to change party rules to start a leadership contest. And rather than seeing the votes they've stuck them all in an envelope to be opened on friday yeah well if she doesn't come up with a leadership departure date but uh, i don't know just imagine if they they open those letters and they still don't want (laughs) a change in the rules that would be so brilliant i have to say but i mean there is a serious point which is this morning the hot news is that the withdrawal agreement bill which we thought would be published tomorrow number 10 had told us that the pm had said it it looks like it's not going to be published tomorrow. And we can talk to Maddie about what form publish, what publish means, because she's probably more aware of this than we are. But actually, if it's not published tomorrow, then I'm, I'm, there's obviously some move going on with, with, the, with the cabinet into amending it before any possible publication. But it may be that it's just dead. Yeah, Maddie, is there any way of getting this withdrawal agreement through this House of Commons? I think it looks really, really difficult. I mean, she sort of gave it her best shot, didn't she? She she sort of tried to say at least some sort of reassuring words to her Brexiteer backbenchers saying we're going to put an obligation on trying to find uh, alternative arrangements to the backstop that they really hate um, in the law. But but really, the the big offer was to Labour MPs and they rejected it massively. And so I think, you know, we already saw MPs who previously voted for the deal back in March saying that this time round they won't. And given that Labour MPs aren't going to come on side i just don't really see how it gets through i think that just numbers don't add up at all uh, anand who do you blame for this mess and the pm's impending well, departure let me start this is weird isn't it we've got an election today today and we haven't mentioned it yet which is odd and secondly i'm still rolling my eyes at paul's they want us to leave with some dignity line <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and, and actually who do I blame? It's an interesting thing because we're just starting on a thing on lessons learned from the last three years. And one of the things we were ruminating about at work this morning was if she'd given this deal to the Labour Party in October or November, I reckon we'd have left by now. Mm. Uh, mm. So time is an actor in all of this in the sense that, you know, so so positions have changed and polarised so much in the last six months, let alone the last three years, that I think, you know, had she moved this whole process up a lot it would have had a different outcome had she approached this from the start. I think where we are now is a, is, 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 a, is a combination of structural things and mistakes. I mean, the structural things are it's hard to leave the European Union, all right? It's even harder to do it under rather silly terms of Article 50, which both limit the time stupidly and don't let you sort out the future. So you're, you're left with a gap, whatever happens. It will be hard with a majority. It will be hard if the prime minister was Superman. That And she's had to do it. She's not Superman, quite clearly, and she hasn't had a majority, so it's made it all the more difficult. I also suspect this has been a lot harder because we had a Remainer as Prime Minister. I kind of think, in a sort of only Nixon can go to China logic, mm. that someone who had openly supported Brexit during the referendum could have come in and would have found it easier to tack towards a softer Brexit than she did because she had to spend the first 12 months cozying up to the RG to prove her credentials. So 
a whole mixture of things. But she is certainly not an innocent in this because she went hard from the first without talking to anyone. She didn't reach out after the general election, at which point it was obvious to everyone that she wasn't going to get this sort of deal through just on Tory numbers alone. She didn't, and this was just inconscionable, go out and sell the withdrawal agreement. I mean, you know, there are... Th- There are things about the withdrawal agreement that are really good. It does a very, very difficult job very, very well. It's square circles that looked unsquareable. She got the EU to agree to a future trading relationship, which they always said they wouldn't. It's called the backstop. She had got the EU to allow us to cherry pick, which again is called the backstop. You could have created a script last October, November, whereby she could at least have gone out and said, get me, I've won. But she didn't do anything. Yeah, which true. is just bizarre. And what I think is really interesting in terms of the, the salesmanship of all this is that um, Henry Newman, who's been on this podcast, and we've talked about this before, mm. is the best salesman in an mm. outside government. Henry for, and Rory. And, and, and Rory as well. I mean, it's extraordinary. You know, there's so few people in government who are, there, are capable and willing to sell the deal. I mean, Michael Gove, I thought, actually would do a much better job. He did it once he on did the radio. He did it once. Um, and he tried a lit on the radio, but he tried in the chamber and it didn't quite fly. Yeah. Now, as we now know, he's obviously got a leadership campaign, so he's trying to hedge his bets. But Gove, of all people, was the Nixon in China figure who could have yeah. done that. You know, the other figurehead of the, lead, the, of the Leave campaign could have sold it really hard really earlier on. But she's got a comms team. I mean, this is what I, I just don't understand. Oh, no one's no, like, no, no. believe me, honestly, I've been through so many number ten comms teams. That's and charmingly all, naive, and they're almost all <laughs> dire. Like, I can, you can take that from me <laughs> right now. Right, we complained okay. about Cameron's team. We complained about May's team, and it's not just the comms team; it's the inner circle. I mean, only this week, just Arjun and I were outside the 1922 committee, and we had exactly the same complaints from Tory MPs that you heard under Cameron, and you and you hear under every Tory leader, which is that the leadership don't listen to us. Number 10 are distant. They've got their clique. It's exactly the same analysis that the Mayites had against uh, Cameron. And it's, this, and it's the same thing that may well bring her down. Except she doesn't have a clique, does she? <laughs> well, that's a good point. She's got this other thing about her, which is that she doesn't react to events. She sort of comes up with a plan and then something happens that makes the plan kind of unworkable and then just continues and plows on with the original plan. The election. Yeah. Case in yeah. point, yeah. Exhibit A, you continue <laughs> governing. I mean, she governed before the election as if her majority was bigger than it was. Mm. But she continued to do so after the election. Yeah, dynamism isn't really in her nature. To protect myself from cyber criminals, I use ExpressVPN. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash huff. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash huff for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash huff to learn more. Well, the race to succeed her is now fully underway and everyone thinks she's likely to be replaced by a Brexiteer like Boris Johnson or Dominic Raab. Uh, Labour MP Wes Streeting is not exactly impressed at the prospect of Boris Johnson. Listening to Johnny extol the virtues of Boris Johnson as a One Nation Conservative made me want to scoop my own eyeballs out with a teaspoon. This is one of the most disingenuous, self-serving politicians our country's ever seen. Um, Paul, who's going to win the Tory leadership? <laughs> and will, they, pers- the and will <laughs> they pursue a no-deal Brexit as government policy? Well, um, they're both are, the two things are linked. Um, 
I actually think people are underpricing Dominic Raab. I really do. Um, all of us, for obvious reasons, are attracted to the high-profile figure that is Boris Johnson, who, interestingly, was in the chamber yesterday, brooding silent presence in the top corner as May was doing her PMQs and her statement. Didn't see any other leadership contenders there, but Boris was. Um, of course, he has now got a position, we talked about this last week, where he actually has the numbers we never thought he'd get in terms of... He's in the lead, no question, in terms of MPs. We never thought he'd do that. But don't rule out Rob because um, I think for a few reasons. First, he um, I think he gets the way the Tory party is desperate for having no deal or some bits of it in a way that Boris isn't. Um, you can easily imagine that all these moderate Tories who are backing Boris can get him to commit saying, actually, I'll threaten no deal, but I'll never actually do it. I don't want it. I genuinely don't want it. He might change his language on that. Whereas Rob, you can imagine, would say, yo, I'm sorry, no deal is workable, it's viable, etc. Um, now, obviously, that will run up against the... <laughs> That will run up against the reality, the hard reality of Europe. But, you know, um, I, I do think... So, Rob, don't discount Rob. Um, also, I mean, it's worth mentioning that I think when it comes to the leadership itself, who else is going to really touch a, a Brexiteer? I think everyone is... It's, Gove, again, don't, worth, don't rule out because he fancies chances. All those former Remainers, I mean, or the people who made the massive sort of judgment call to go Remain... Um, Javid, I talked to backbenchers this week who thought he'd made that massive strategic error in going for Remain because he thought it would win. Mm. Um, so he's really being discounted, although he's got lots of obviously qualities that might appeal to people. Um, Jeremy Hunt, likewise. So the more you talk to MPs, the more they say it's got to be a Brexiteer. There was um, a Conservative poll, a home poll that yeah. put other above anyone who supported Remain. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. you know, it's 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 going to be tough for everyone else. Even Remainer Tories are saying it's got to be a Brexiteer. Right, yeah, when you exactly. Speak right. Well, if we get a leader that um, does pursue a no-deal Brexit or ends up going for it at some point, um, Remainers think they can stop that in Parliament and it's not going to happen. But Maddie, you've written a paper on this today. Yeah, no, I have. So I, I mean, sort of, Essentially, the way I look at it is that, and it would have to be a very determined prime minister who would be willing to accept the fact that the majority of MPs are opposed to no deal. But if they really wanted to end up with no deal Brexit, then I think that, yes, they could do it. And I think it's a lot harder for MPs to stop it than it was, say, earlier this year. And the sort of key reason to, for that is because earlier this year, because the, Theresa May did want to have a deal, she uh, had to hold a meaningful vote, which involves sort of having an amendable motion in the House of Commons. And by MPs voting it, down there was then a subsequent motion which was also amendable and it gave them an opportunity to essentially take control of parliamentary time to be ultimately pass legislation that if the Prime Minister hadn't been already willing to seek an extension of Article 50, would have required her to do so, and that was sort of in April, um, to avoid leaving without a deal on the 12th of April. Whereas, because no deal is the default, the uh, Prime Minister intent on it can essentially sit back and watch the clock run down, and they won't be holding a meaningful vote in the House, and there are very few options available then to MPs to force a vote. Um, there is some discussion about what role the Speaker might play in all of this, because sort of one of the key ways that isn't the sort of key opportunities that's not just in the hands of the government is having an emergency debate which normally wouldn't be amendable but the speaker has sort of 
made some comments which which people have interpreted as meaning that could be amendable and could be a way for MPs to take control of time again. So it, it's not completely impossible, but I do think it's a much harder task because the government does just have so much more control over what happens in Parliament. But Maddie, isn't that the point at which sufficient number of Tories back a motion of no confidence? Yeah, that, I mean, that is the other, that's the other way, really. But but you do, that is still a risky strategy because, mm-hmm. you know, you even if you get sort of, you pass a, uh, a vote of no confidence, there's 14 days when someone else can try and form a government. I mean, you might end up being able to have an alternative, uh, someone, another MP who would say, well, they'll seek an extension, so therefore get the support of the House. But if you don't get to that point, then you'll have a general election after 14 days. Mm. And, and I think that's when, you know, we, we think that the country will be anti-no-deal Brexit, but we don't know that. And so I think you can't guarantee mm. that you will then elect a prime minister who will want to seek an extension to Article 50, because really that's the only way to stop no deal or revoke Article 50, to be fair, that's the other way. But that's the that's the challenge. That's precisely why Maddie's blog has gone viral. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, a, a blog on procedure is very is a great achievement, I've got to say. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, I think six months ago, no there. one would have thought it. And, and, you know, Guido Fawkes has been pushing it, and a lot of the Brexiteers love this because they're basically, it sets out in black and white, look, here's how limited the options are for people who want to stop no deal. I know for a fact that the Labour Party are actively looking at this whole issue of how, how the hell do they now start stopping no deal under Johnson or Rob. And they said and the One me, Nation group has been created because of this. Group, essentially, essentially, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, and what was, and this would be interesting to hear Maddie's take on this, what, what they're looking at is they say, for example, on citizens' rights, maybe mm-hmm. you could do some sort of unilateral offer to the rest of Europe. You can maybe just about get away with that in no deal, although it's tricky. Um, I mean, <laughs> Anand would fill us in on that as well. But the other thing that I think is really difficult in, in stopping no deal, or, or going ahead with no deal, I should say, is um, think on things on security like European arrest warrant. Yeah. I mean, how on earth do you stop the House of Commons blocking you when you want to come up with some sort of formulation to say, well, we'll have a version of the European arrest warrant, we'll have a version of security, and the Commons will say, actually, we're not going to have that. Sorry, that's no deal. We're going to vote it down. So there might be a, ve- a series of vehicles that the Commons just doesn't wash. Um, more broadly procedurally I think Maddie's right about the speaker the speaker's the one last best hope for for the people who want to stop no deal and actually interestingly same Theresa May goes in the next few days or weeks she will have failed her promise to say I'll only go once the withdrawal agreement or once Brexit is delivered Burkow I bet you will hang on and cling on until Brexit actually in some form or other has been delivered or has been killed, I bet you. And that's why his role is really, really important. He will probably be there in October 31st. He may well be there come next March if this hasn't been resolved. But in terms of no deal, I don't know. What do you reckon? Yeah, and and well, I was just going to say on the sort of, I mean, contingency plans essentially is what you're talking about because that is, again, that is a way that MPs can express opposition to no deal. They vote down anything the government tries to bring in that will make no deal easier for the UK. Um, I think that's when it comes down to what's the conviction of the Prime Minister. So, again, the big caveat to the blog that I wrote was this is a Prime Minister who's willing at all costs to go for no deal. And I think, and essentially hope that after we after we left the EU without a deal, that Parliament would then step in and say, well, right, we need to make the best job of it we can. Um, and, and it's not, and I think, you know, the political pressure is really, really key because... 
there are around maybe 80 MPs who support no deal and maybe that even that is a bit of an over over um, estimation so you would be doing something that would go against such a big majority in parliament that will then define the the choice that you've made as prime minister and I, I do think that political pressure although procedural procedurally it might be tricky I do think political pressure will come into play and could end up having a big role either in encouraging Burko to be more flexible in, in interpreting parliamentary convention but also just in actually putting that pressure on the prime minister to, to change tack. Um, Anand, Can, go on. I just want to say three things about No Deal, just sort of zooming out of process. Firstly, the No Deal prospectus being put forward is just wrong. Okay, it's just wrong. <laughs> uh, and it's wrong on so many different levels, we haven't got time. But firstly, the GATT Article 24 stuff is wrong because they won't be negotiating a trade deal. Secondly, the EU, insofar as it can, and it could be that EU unity shatters, I don't think it's likely, it's possible, have said quite clearly in the event that there is No Deal, we wait for you to come back to us and sign up to the things we agreed in the withdrawal agreement before we do anything else, and we will wait, and we reckon we could outweigh you. Second thing, however well you plan, one, a lot of those plans have to be bilateral. They're out of our hands, so we have to rely on them to help us out. There's no reason to expect that. They'll help themselves out, maybe not us. However well we plan, there is going to be disruption and it's going to be significant because this is whole swathes of law ceasing to apply. And there'll be things that have forgotten, things that we couldn't deal with, bits where we've got the infrastructure wrong. It, and, you know, if you're a camera crew, you will find enough to fill the headlines for several weeks at least, whether it's queues, whether it's rotting food, whether it's empty. It, it just will because it's such a major. Thirdly, finally, the politics of this. One of the things I did this week was I went back and I dug up the polling numbers from 2000 when we had the refinery blockades. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? We're yeah. old. We yeah, remember yeah. that. All right. So going in, the day before, I think Labour were polling near 50%. I mean, there were streets, you know, those days. There were streets ahead yeah. of the Conservatives. Two days afterwards was the only poll during that Parliament that put the Conservatives ahead. And we didn't quite run out of petrol that week, <laughs> those two weeks. All right. This is, this is a different, different order of magnitude. So the question I want answered is who in politics seriously thinks they can do this Take us through that and come out of it doing well with public opinion. I don't get that. Well, that's maybe why ultimately Boris Johnson will veer away from no deal and, Do and Dominic Raab mm. might still go ahead with it. And that might be the defining bit in this leadership hustings that we're going to see in the next few weeks and months. I mean, that is this no deal issue is going to be front and centre of all those yeah. debates. So let's see if Boris is canny enough to tack in the right direction. I don't know. Well, part of May's problem on the other side is that people's vote-backing MPs and Jeremy Corbyn have flatly turned down her offers of votes on a second referendum and a customs union um, because they just don't believe she can deliver them. Um, let's hear Lib Dem leader Vince Cable explaining why. I mean, if she'd said, look, you know, we put forward the withdrawal bill subject to a confirmatory referendum, that's indeed what we asked for, and we would be obliged to support it on that basis. But she's merely saying Parliament can have a vote as to whether it wants to have a referendum. Well, it's not in her gift. I mean, Parliament will do that anyway. So what appears to be a concession isn't. Um, Paul, is this a miscalculation from back as of a second referendum or a soft Brexit? Well, you know, my first... Uh, the interesting thing, I was sitting in that speech where Theresa May in that great big glass atrium of PwC and Charing Cross, and um, and there were six stories of all these accountants pressing their nose against the glass looking at this weird thing going on below. And May, as she just as she starts speaking, 
my phone flashes up with a very senior person within the People's Vote campaign, who shall remain nameless, but you might guess who it is, um, who um, is a former senior Labour person. And <laughs> this person was basically trying to get me the message that uh, basically this isn't good enough. Right, even before she'd started mm. speaking, it wasn't good enough. So obviously, there's a big political game going on—not the merits of what's in the bill, but a political game about not helping her out. And but as as and my phone was pinging with lots of Labour MPs saying, actually, this isn't good enough, even after she'd spoken, which is fairer. Um, <coughs> and 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 then. I began to think, well, actually, guys, are you missing your, your best chance here of a people's vote? You need legislation, right? You can't have a referendum without legislation. As Maddie says, if you've got a new Tory leader who's put part for one minute the whole, you know, no deal idea, a new Tory leader, a Brexiteer, mm. somehow coming up with legislation that's going to allow a referendum on, a, mm. on, on Brexit that they've committed to delivering just think it through and that's why i was thinking maybe you've made a strategic huge blunder here guys why don't you just you know take what she's offering at least go with part of the process and then see how it pans out now obviously their big worry was about timing everyone who backs people's vote wants it to be the last resort don't they so they want it to be late in the committee stage when all the other indicative or definitive votes have been exhausted i get that but they didn't even give that a chance. No. And the other big gamble they're making, I've written about this this week, if you're gambling, it's a gamble for them as much as for Theresa May, this whole thing, because they're gambling on a Jeremy Corbyn-led Labour Party at the next general election, putting in his manifesto, we will hold a, a confirmatory ballot on our own deal or, or, or some kind of retrospective referendum even after we've left. Yeah. How likely is that? All right, yeah, there's lots of Labour members who will push for it at uh, the so-called Clause 5 meeting that drafts Labour's manifesto. But there'll be quite a lot of leadership people, a lot of unions saying, oh, things have moved on. We now want to move on. The best chance Labour's got of winning an election is moving on beyond Brexit, talking about what we want to talk about. Now, that obviously hasn't worked in European elections, but it that's obviously their agenda for a general election. So in many ways, have people vote blown it? And they might have. Well, they've always thought, haven't they, that they win when the only alternative is no deal. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what they're waiting for. Yeah. But I think also we've got to be careful that the people who want a people's vote aren't the people who want a soft Brexit. I mean, instead of in your question, you kind of imply that they're same camp. They're sworn enemies now. No, sure. I mean, that's yeah, the other yeah, thing yeah. that's happening, yeah. isn't it, is that those two tribes are at war, which is a weird thing to behold, but actually, in a sense, weakens both of them. Yeah, it's quite bitter as well. And I think I think that the key point really is, is as you say, maybe maybe their best chance is, or they think their best chance is, if no deal is the only thing left on the table. But how on earth they then get to a, a people's vote or a second referendum when no deal is sort of staring down the barrel? It seems very difficult to see because even if sort of going to the earlier point. Even if you get to a position where you can take control of time and introduce a bill requesting mm. an extension, the key bit of that was that it didn't require a money resolution, mm. which is what is needed when a bill requires public spending, yeah, and ministers point. have to lay that. So actually, you can you can sort of pass legislation asking for an extension, but a referendum costs a huge amount of money, and and actually that seems a lot more of a bigger ask to actually yeah. be able to pass on backbenchers' time. And I think that maybe is something that's also being overlooked. Which is possibly why revoke is coming up on the rails being spoken about a lot more now. Actually, that's a very good point, Anand, because it's simpler. And, and uh, I think there's there's got a growing movement within Labour for revoke. I mean, the whole point of remain and reform, that's kind of a code for, for revoke. revoke. 
Um, they don't say it, but yeah, they're getting there. Interestingly, Change UK and Chukka is heading that direction. They, they can see which They've way the wind's blowing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but we can talk about them maybe. And Vince Cable said in his debate with Nigel Farage, if there's a choice between no deal and revoke, it's revoke. Perfectly simple. Yeah. yeah a lot of Tory Brexiteers think that's what people's vote are pivoting towards as well. They're very suspicious. But, yeah. um, you mentioned Change UK. Yeah. They're now backing Revoke, but they're in a total mess. They're in a total mess. I mean, the really interesting thing about Change UK is they are, in some ways, the perfect advert for entryism because they're the perfect advert for how difficult it is to start a new party. Why bother with this whole new party thing when you, you can just enter a, a, the shell of a, a party that's already there? That's what Blair did in Labour. Um, you know, new Labour, and that's what Corbyn's certainly done. Use the existing structure, take it over, and then you've got this ready-made, you've got the finance, you've got the, the structures, you've got the people on the ground. Doing all of that is so hard. And we've just seen from Change UK that how difficult it is to, to, to vet candidates. I mean, the very fact that mm. you've got a group of MPs, a former MPs, vetting hundreds and hundreds of candidates, of course they're going to get it wrong if they just do it themselves, and in a very short period of time. The fact they've got inherent tensions about what they stand for, Tories and Labour. But to be fair to them, and I, I, I will say, actually, a lot of people say, well, look at the Brexit party. And it's true from a standing mm. start, loads of members. But I don't think they're a party. I think it's a complete misnomer, the Brexit party. They're a movement because they're a single issue. What do they stand for on tax? What do they stand for on the environment? What do they stand for? UKIP had a real problem on all the issues of normal policy away from Brexit. Brexit party's got them in spades. Basically, it's one guy basically saying, stick two fingers up mm. to everyone who's stopping you, get your way. Uh, that's not a party. And I personally think we're overdoing the importance, of, and I think the Tories are in real danger of overdoing the importance of these European elections, because I genuinely think, all right, the general election polls are sh showing that the Brexit party would be in a, a, a strong position. But I genuinely think they haven't got the candidates, they haven't got the organisation. I, I genuinely don't think they've got the platform to make an impact in a general election. And here's one really interesting thing to look for, because I don't think we should finish this podcast without saying the words European Parliament once, uh, <laughs> is when their MPs go to Brussels, where does Claire Fox sit? She's not going to sit with Salvini and co if that's where Nigel Farage decides to go. She wants to be the under the chamber. I mean... And that, in a sense, is going to sum up the dilemma for the Brexit party, is when it comes to policy outside of Brexit, they all believe different things. Yeah, true. Yeah, I spent a couple of days with Farage last week and asked him about policy other than Brexit, and all he could kind of say was, uh, well, House of Lords reform and PR, Yeah, which is just the Lib Dems. I mean, I think uh, I, I think that would crash and burn in a general election. Even with Brexit unresolved, yeah, he'd have a certain amount of airtime, and but I, I think... You know, I, I just can't see it working. I might be wrong. Right, we've mentioned the European elections, oh, yeah. so uh, we've just about got time for a quiz. Um, unfortunately, <sighs> we've already had quizzes on cabinet resignations, Tory leadership contests, and the shortest serving prime ministers. So we've run out of Theresa and May crisis questions as well. His and pub we've quiz run out questions. of. Oh, I was hoping you'd use Anand's our questions. Quiz questions. So this week's is on. Who said it, Boris Johnson or Dominic Raab? Oh, great. <laughs> so I will read a quote out and you have to tell me who said it. Uh, the first one is, we were very clear we were coming out of the customs union. There can't be any tricksy fudging of that. Ooh, God, that could be either. Obviously. Boris, um, Trixie. I was going to say Johnson, Trixie. yeah, Boris Johnson. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say Raab because it's counterintuitive, not the sort of language you'd use. Paul's right, it's Dominic Raab. <laughs> uh, June 2018. These things are so rigged, Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, this is a non-Brexit one, but uh, here we go. Um, what I worry about is that people are losing confidence, losing energy, losing enthusiasm, and there's a real opportunity to get them into work. Oh. That I, must be boring. I'm going to say Boris Johnson as well. I'm going to say Dominic Rob. It sounds like when he was mayor of London, sort of quote. It's Boris Johnson. Mm. I hate this quiz. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's one, one, one two, all. one. Two one, one. No, I two one no, to Paul. Two one, so yeah, yeah you, you can't lose. Keep going. Just ignore the yeah. nil. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two one nil. This is the final one. <laughs> Forgive me if I don't keep a laser-like focus on the substance. That's oh. Rob. I think it's Rob. Do you? Yeah, because yeah. Yes, in I'm fact, yeah, g- it's oh, Rob. I could be wrong. I'm gonna go Rob. Oh, it no. is Rob um, Hedger. <laughs> yeah, in a, in <laughs> an interview did. with Andrew Marr shortly after becoming Brexit secretary. Right. That yeah. was a Calais thing, wasn't it? Oh, yes. Wasn't it around that? He was asked yes, about yes, something, yes, yeah. That's right. When he, yeah, could he was ridiculed over the Calais stuff. I, yeah, not sure, to be honest, but there we go. Yeah. Um, Paul, you've won three, oh. three two, one. Go get a trophy. What a bad host. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's all we've got time for. So we're going to leave you with the rather depressing exchange between leave-backing Tory MP David T.C. Davies and a Brexiteer protester outside Parliament this week. Well, you're the one who's opening a big mouth and accusing no, me of things. <laughs> I'm the one opening my so big mouth. So tell me, what part of that deal have you been doing for Tell me. I'm the one opening my big mouth. Tell me, what part of that... I'm not, I'm not interested Well, well you're you. an MP, for God's sake. You're yes. a member of Parliament. I'm your MP, aren't I? Yeah, thank God. Carry on. Thank Let's God do a bit in Welsh. Didn't it? So this man... I've no idea what that is. Right? He claims he voted Brexit, but he signed the deal. He voted for the deal that is a total betrayal of Brexit. It's a total. No, you know what? I'm fed up. Listen, no, no, no. Listen, you guys are a disgrace as well. How much have you been paid? How much has the BBC been paid to to promote the European Union? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.